Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports fan perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, June the 1st. It is a brand new month uh, starting today, uh, and we are getting ready for the Eastern Conference Finals to begin here tonight between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh, Ian Cameron's flying solo today, just me on the show. No guests today either, um, but we will be back tomorrow with a guest, Carl Alsner, joining the show tomorrow. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Uh, But first, we'll break down, of course, tonight's game one. We'll look back on what was an absolutely crazy game one of the Western Conference Finals last night between the Colorado Avalanche and Edmonton Oilers. Just absolutely incredible action, uh, pace throughout the game, uh, up and down the ice it went. It was just unbelievable to watch. Uh, By the way, you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, I've got the American flag uh, T-shirt. Uh, today I meant to wear it on the Memorial Day uh, edition of the show. Usually that's the tradition for me is I wear this shirt on Memorial Day. If I'm doing anything in terms of a show or videos or content on uh, July 4th, uh, you will see me there as well. Uh, but definitely uh, a situation where uh, I missed out, forgot to uh, wear this on Memorial Day, but uh, we're definitely uh, involved right now uh, in terms of uh, getting uh, the, um, I'm just wondering here, I'm just seeing something right now. Are we live? We're not. I'm not seeing anything at the moment. Hold on. What's going on here? We're live and I don't see it going. I don't see it live on YouTube here. What's happening? What's going on here? No wonder there's no viewers. All right. Are we are, are we live here? What's going on here? I see 26. What's going on here? No, there we go. I think we're live now. Okay. I don't know what happened there, but all right. Let's let's re let's reboot and go back from the beginning. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Wednesday, June the first. Uh, Ian Cameron with you, uh, flying solo today, uh, getting ready to uh, break down the uh, uh, Wednesday uh, NHL slate. We've got Game One Eastern Conference Final tonight: Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers, uh, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, of course, we've got. Uh, we'll look back on a crazy epic Game One last night: Colorado Avalanche, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just action packed. Tons of pace up and down the ice, trading chances, both sides. Just an unbelievable game uh, it was. So looking forward to uh, breaking that down. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I've got the American flag T-shirt today. Uh, I usually wear that on Memorial Day and July 4th if I'm doing a show that day as well to you know pay homage to the uh, my American friends and all the people uh, south of the border that tune into the shows daily. But I forgot, just one of those days, forgot to... Uh, uh, bring it out uh, on Monday. So uh, we're making up for it today. Uh, by the way, everyone on the BetCast, the BetCast last night was phenomenal, outstanding. I mean, you talk about picking the right night to have a BetCast. We sure as fuck did that with the uh, Oilers and the Avs last night. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better game to be involved live betting from start to finish. And it was just an incredible game for a, to be involved on a BetCast and betting live uh, as we did. Uh, just a terrific BetCast. Thanks to everyone that tuned in. Thanks to those who joined us uh, on the BetCast stream, uh, including two guys that were on the BetCast for the first time. Uh, one of our special guests that was with us a couple uh, weeks ago uh, plays pro hockey in the ECHL with Kalamazoo. Ray Bryce was on the show last night. And man, did, 
this guy's a seasoned pro when it comes to uh, live wagering. I mean, man, uh, and his good friend that he brought onto the BetCast as well, Coy. I mean, these two guys between them, I'm sure, uh, they must have had 20 or 25 live bets during that game last night. I mean, and most of them actually won. <laughs> so, uh, and it was one of those games where, look, if you were involved live betting that game, you did very well. Uh, no question about that. So it was just one of those nights where everything worked out well. The pregame bets won for me, Colorado puck line. The over, obviously, six and a half was uh, as easy as it gets uh, that I got, uh, that I bet. I bet that overnight because I, I knew it was going to move to seven when the uh, game one line opened for the Oilers and Avs. So jumping on that really helped. And then we had a bunch of live bets that cashed. We had Hyman to score a goal to get a point, Devon Taves to get a point. Uh, there were a bunch of live, you know, Player prop bets, I believe, that cashed in. We had multiple both teams to score live bets in each period uh, that ended up cashing in. So it was just an overall very profitable bet cast. I would say probably one of the most profitable bet casts I've had this season personally. And I think I speak for uh, everyone that joined us on the bet cast. I mean, most of the uh, most of the wagers we ended up placing ended up working out very well. And uh, uh, thanks to everyone that joined us. And again, Ray and Coy in particular. Uh, joining us on the BetCast for the first time. They did a phenomenal job, uh, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to join us uh, again uh, for a future BetCast. Uh, all right, um, let's look back on that game last night. Obviously, Colorado, 8-6 to six victory uh, over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it was just one of those games where, look, uh, I think maybe the speed and the skill and the depth that each team has up front kind of took the other by surprise. Not that it, they knew it was coming. They knew in the scouting report coming into this series, the Oilers knew what Colorado was all about, that they had four very, very deep forward lines. Colorado knew what Edmonton was all about, that even though I think they're a little bit more top heavy, you know, when you're talking about their lineup, they rely more on, a, you know, just a handful of players, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kane, Hyman, you know, Yamamoto's capable of stepping up, uh, Pooley Arvey has skill, although we don't always see it consistently. You know, even though they rely more on more, uh, a lesser amount, I think, of the forwards to chip in, they're still as dangerous as it gets. The four to five forwards for Edmonton that carry the way for them are that good, that lethal, that dangerous on the ice, shift by shift. So I think that both teams knew what Colorado was, or both teams knew defensively they were going to be in for a challenge. But when you finally step onto the ice and when you're Colorado and you come off playing St. Louis and you're Edmonton and you come off playing Calgary and now all of a sudden you're playing each other and it is just a completely different level of speed. It's a completely different stylistic matchup compared to what the Avs saw in the second round and compared to what the Oilers saw. Uh, in the second round. And I really think you ended up seeing that play out to perfection last night where it ended up being a situation where neither team was quite ready, you know, ready from game one of this brand new series to go from the, you know, more of a cycle game, you know, cycle the puck around the zone, you know, try to really work the defense. You know, that's the style St. Louis plays. That's the style Calgary plays a cycle four check game. You know, that's really the way they go about things offensively. And that's to their strength, you know, Calgary and St. Louis. And now Edmonton and Colorado are playing each other and they're playing a different style. You're getting up and down the ice, north-south puck transition as quickly as possible, 
defensemen willing to jump into the play at every moment, especially for Colorado. And you really saw that really give Edmonton problems last night uh, in game one. And I hinted about that on the show yesterday uh, with Andrew McGinnis and our guests, Eddie Lack and uh, Casey Nelson, who were great guests, by the way, yesterday on the show. I mentioned how Edmonton is going to be challenged by this Colorado style because they come from playing Calgary who the defensemen don't activate. They don't unless they absolutely have to. And especially when you're talking about Daryl Sutter coaching that flames team, he's never going to say to his defensemen, you know what? Join the rush, join the play pinch in the offensive zone, unless it's a time when we absolutely have to, you know, we're trailing by a goal late in the third period. We're trailing by two goals late in the third period, Colorado. It's every fucking shift. It really is. It's every shift. It's every t- moment and every minute, every second on the ice. When Jared Bednar gives Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Bowen Byram, Eric Johnson, uh, and, and the entire blue line, the green light on every shift to jump into the play and keep the offense alive. And when I said yesterday that it's a five-man attack, you know, for the Colorado Avalanche on every shift, I mean it. The de- the defense is involved in the offense and always a threat in the offensive zone on every shift. They don't just sit back and let the forwards do their thing. They are a factor offensively for this team. And look, when you're talking about the defenseman jumping into the play on every shift and it's a five-man offensive attack compared to just, you know, playing it a little bit more cautious with your D-men and letting the forwards do the work, when you're trying to defend that on the other side, it means more communication has to be made between the two defensemen and the back-checking forwards. You've got to iron out coverages in, in the defensive zone. you got to make sure everybody takes someone. You've got to make sure that you know someone covers the point properly. you got to make sure that there's someone stationed in front of the net to clear the traffic out and make sure nobody's getting to those loose pucks and those rebounds right in front of your goalie. That's an adjustment because look, it's it's different when you have when you have five guys that are five players on the ice at all times that are trying to get involved in the offense compared to say maybe just the three forwards. And when you look at the way Calgary uh, played and St. Louis played uh, in the last round, that's their style. It's more let the forwards forecheck, let them cycle the puck, let them you know try to you know tire out the defense, wear down the defense. That's how we're going to go about trying to get our goals, trying to get our offensive production, and it's absolutely not the same way that Colorado plays. And Edmonton struggled with that last night. The defensive zone breakdowns and coverages, that's what they've got to work on. And I think it's its not fair to say Edmonton's going to get lit up every game. You know, this is a team that we have seen adjustments. We have seen improvements from this group, one game to the next, one series to the next. You know, I, I don't think we're at the point already after one game where we're ready to say, you know what, it's it's going to be absolutely tough for Edmonton to win this series. You know, they, they give them a chance to make some adjustments. And look, Calgary even, who has really not a totally different style of offense compared to Colorado. Remember, they lit up Edmonton in game one of that series. And we did see, you know, Edmonton uh, make adjustments, be better uh, after that first game where they just got absolutely ripped apart you know, at the defensive end of the ice. And, and you know, we did see them play better uh, moving forward. So uh, that's definitely interesting. I mean, when you look at the game last night, what's great is that it didn't really matter which direction you went from a player prop standpoint. Uh, you had a good chance to cash with a bunch of different players uh, last night in that game. Evander Kane opens the scoring. Uh, JT Comfer uh, as well. And shout out to Ray Bryce on the BetCast last night. He had Evander Kane and Miko Rantanen 
as a goal scorer parlay. Anytime goal scorer parlay of Ander Kane and Miko Rantanen, and he cashed that one at a very good plus price. What was it? I think 600, 625 or something. Uh, excellent job there. Uh, Kane scored. Comfer again. Uh, two goals last night for JT Comfer. That's now four goals for him in the last two games. Remember, he had two goals in the decisive game seven, or not game seven, game six, I should say, uh, against the St. Louis Blues in the second round. So all of us, and, and that's why I didn't bet Comfer last night. I'm like, Comfer was pretty quiet most of that St. Louis series that even though he scored the two goals in game seven against, or game, I keep saying game seven, what the fuck? Game six uh, against St. Louis. Um, even though he scored those two goals, I mean, he, he really was quiet offensively before that. I didn't know if for sure he was going to be able to carry that over. This was going to be the start of some kind of hot streak, but he did carry it over. Two goals last night uh, for JT Comfer in that third-line center spot. And that's why Colorado's so dangerous. They're getting two goals from JT Comfer on the third line, centering that third line. I mean, that's why uh, this team is very, very dangerous because they can get offense from anywhere on the hell. Andrew Cogliano uh, gets a goal last night as well for the Avalanche, which just even speaks to that point even more, you know, how dangerous and how much offense they can get from everybody uh, in the lineup. Um, so that was good to see. Zach Hyman was terrific again uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. To be honest with you, it was kind of a, a bad break uh, for Zach Hyman that he only got one goal. And one, I believe just, the, and that was his only point uh, as well in that game because he was all over the puck as always, nothing new there. Uh, and he had a bunch of other chances that could have went in as well. So uh, definitely it was just a wild game, tons of chances. It had everything. It had both starting goaltenders not finish the game. Uh, Darcy Kemper leaving the game due to that uh, an injury. We thought it was an equipment issue at first. I know Alex mentioned that on the BetCast. We all thought it was an equipment issue uh, at the very beginning. But it ended up being an injury. They're saying it's probably an eye injury, something related to the eye injury that he had earlier in the playoffs. And uh, just earlier this morning, Jared Bednar had no update. You know, he said, I don't know what Darcy Kemper's status is going to be for game two uh, and moving forward. It's going to be day by day. We're going to wait and see uh, what ends up uh, happening here. Uh, and uh, we don't know yet. So there was really no update from that standpoint. And of course, Mike Smith doesn't finish the game because he ended up getting pulled by Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Oilers, and uh, Miko Koskinen. Uh, ended up finishing the game for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, look, Mike Smith was definitely struggled last night. wasn't great, but come on, I mean, the the, the play in front of him wasn't great. Uh, the defense was just breaking down. Like I said, the defense was breaking down left and right. They were not prepared. I think they were prepared in terms of the X's and O's tactically. They were prepared in terms of what I'm sure the coach coaching staff of the Oilers tried to prepare Edmonton's defense as well as they possibly could for the style of offense and the style of attack that Colorado brings. Three forwards, two defensemen, always involved in the offense on every shift. I'm sure they instructed that uh, to the Colorado, to the Edmonton Oilers. But actually getting instruction on how to try to shut them down and actually going out there on the ice and doing it, it is a completely different situation altogether. And you saw them struggle with that last night. Breakdowns and coverages, leaving the front of the net open, leaving the slot area open far too much. How many slot area chances did the Colorado Avalanche get last night? How many loose pucks were they able to get in front of Mike Smith? Rebounds. I mean, it was just, it was a collective defensive failure, period, from the Edmonton Oilers last night. So yeah, Mike Smith wasn't great, but the pull, him bit getting pulled was, let's try to wake up the team, wake up call, 
try to turn the momentum of the game. I don't think it was all, yeah, Mike Smith was was shit in the in the game last night. We have to take him out because he's he just doesn't have it. He was not at his best, but I think it's more what the way they played in front of him. It was a horrendous defensive evening in game one last night for the Edmonton Oilers. And this notion that I see on Twitter that we got to bench Mike Smith now uh, moving forward for the rest of the playoffs starting in game two after last night. This notion that we, he he, sh- he should be benched, he can't, we can't go back to Mike Smith in game two tomorrow night uh, is absolutely absurd. I cannot believe that I'm seeing this. This is a guy that, as I've, I've, I've mentioned this multiple times now, and I, apparently I have to mention it again because there's knuckleheads out there that apparently it's not sinking in. It's not in between the ears. It's not landing there, and it's not permeating in their brain cells. So I'm going to say it again for the millionth time. Mike Smith is third, all right? Third in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs in goals saved above average. And the only two goalies that are higher than him, higher than him in that statistic are Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin, the two goalies facing off in the Eastern Conference Final. All right? You are not going to cut the cord. You're not going to pull the plug on Mike Smith based on last night. You're not. I mean, it's absolutely absurd to even suggest that. What, Miko Koskinen is going to save your season now? The guy that was just as inconsistent and, you know, up and down like a fucking yo-yo all year? Every bit as much as Mike Smith? No, he can't. And when you look at those numbers, you you have got to go back to Mike Smith for game two. You know, and I don't buy it. that. And then there's also some people, oh, he's tired. He's 40 years old. He's tired. He didn't even play 40 regular season games this year. So if you're arguing that, first of all, he was bad last night, he can't get it back, first of all, that's a bunch of nonsense because we've seen Mike Smith get pulled already in the playoffs, come back the next game, play well, and his team win the next game. Game two against Calgary. Remember he got pulled in game one? What happened in game two? What happened? He came back strong, he played well, and Edmonton got the game two victory and tied up that series. And for the rest of that series, I thought Mike Smith played very well, aside from the gaffe, of course, that he had. When Rasmus Anderson you know, shot the puck from inside his own blue line, Smith lost sight of it, and it went in. That was a bad mistake. Other than that, I thought from game two onward in the Battle of Alberta, I had no issues, none, zero, with Mike Smith's play. None. So from that standpoint... Uh, you know, it's it's a situation where he's been good enough in these playoffs that he deserves a second shot. You know, if he has a horrendous game in game two, then maybe, and, and I'm not even I'm not even saying for sure, maybe if he's bad in game two, I reinvestigate and re-examine making a switch for the remainder of the series. Maybe I do that, and I'm not even saying I, for sure I will. I say maybe I might consider it, but after last night. You know, you don't make the change to Koskinen in game two. Not with what he's given you in these playoffs. Not if you buy into the GSAA numbers like I do. You got to give the guy credit for that. And if you actually watch, if you've watched every Oilers playoff game so far, you actually will see that he has made a bunch of high danger saves or saves on high danger, high quality chances in front of the net, on rebounds, on loose pucks, from the slot. You know, trying to see over uh, around the defenseman, trying to see around a screen right in front of him, in front of the net. He's been able to track pucks pretty decently here and make some pretty good saves and tough saves and difficult saves. And I think, like I said about last night, he wasn't at his best, 
the whole defense in front of him was an absolute disaster for the Edmonton Oilers. So, so the, the, the idea that we're going to throw this all at the feet of Mike Smith last night is just a bunch of garbage, period, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's the way it is. Uh, so to me, Jay Woodcroft, now he didn't say, he didn't commit to Mike Smith today. He said, uh, I'm not sure who the goalie's going to be tomorrow night, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, I, I, I don't want to do a Charles Barkley guarantee, but I feel pretty damn strongly that Jay Woodcroft's going to stick by Mike Smith for game two, which he should. Uh, as you can clearly tell. Uh, and Eddie Lack, our guest, I retweeted what he said uh, or what he put out on Twitter after that game last night. You know, how, how do you just all of a sudden bench Mike Smith uh, after last night? You don't. So I think he's going to come back uh, in game two and end up uh, playing. Uh, watch him play well, too, as well. And he got some rest as well. Remember, second period, third period, he gets a little extra rest. You watch, he'll probably be a lot better tomorrow night uh, in game two. But it starts with the guys in front of him. You know, I don't care what you do, or, or but you got to try to defend. It's not going to be easy. And clearly Colorado showed that in game one, that it's not going to be easy to defend this. Uh, or For Edmonton, it's not going to be easy to defend this five-man attack for Colorado. But they've at least got to try to be a little bit better with it. And I'm going to give Pavel Francouz credit. He ended up stepping into the game after uh, Kemper's injury. And to be honest, Koskinen didn't play that badly. But I thought Francouz was really good. And that kind of surprised me because Pavel Francouz for the Colorado Avalanche, he's kind of had a meandering season, if you will, when he's had uh, when he's been called upon uh, to start in net. And I thought, you know, with Kemper all of a sudden out and with Edmonton pushing hard and give Edmonton credit, they showed you as well why, in my opinion, they're far from done uh, in this series. Uh, what they're all about, just battling back. You know, they were down, you know, a few goals going at, what was it, seven to four, I believe going into the third period, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But they just kept battling back. They made it 7-5. They made it 7-6. And they had a glorious amount of chances and threatening opportunities to tie that game in the final two, three minutes. And Pavel Francouz had to make a couple of big saves uh, to keep that game from being tied in the final minutes and help Colorado avoid what happened to them uh, in game five uh, in the second round against the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, Francois, you know, he did let in three, but I'll tell you what, he made up for the three goals he let in based on the saves and the chances that he shut down courtesy of the Edmonton Oilers late in that game. And then, of course, they finally put it away with the empty net goal. So what can you say? It was a crazy game, boatload of chances, boatload of goals, pretty piss poor defending. Uh, from both sides, kind of shaky goaltending as well from both sides, uh, all four goalies. Uh, it's going to be fascinating now to see what we get, though, tomorrow night in game two. Uh, when you look at, you know, what we saw last night, do we get another track meet? Do things kind of simmer down a little bit with both teams at the defensive end of the ice? Uh, that's definitely something that we're going to have to uh, monitor uh, as we move forward here toward uh, game two tomorrow night. And as of right now, uh, we're looking at seven shaded to the over. Uh, with the total for game two tomorrow night. And I'm already seeing at our uh, sponsor book here, DraftKings, they've moved it already to seven and a half. So that tells you that the uh, betting markets, at least an early, uh, an early uh, betting action here for game two tomorrow night, they're not exactly buying in to tomorrow night being a defensive turnaround uh, for both of these teams. So uh, should be interesting. Again, Colorado up one nothing, but I think we saw enough yeah, like the Oilers played like dog shit defensively, just absolutely horrendous 
defensive coverage all night from Edmonton. And look, Colorado had their issues at times too, but it was really bad for Edmonton. And there they were yet still, you know, just inches away from maybe tying that game in the final minute or two. So if I'm the Oilers, you know, there's a lot to improve on. And I still nearly stole that game last night against the Avs. So fascinating to see uh, this series, uh, that game last night. And we'll see how uh, the series progresses going into game two tomorrow night and beyond. All right, let's get to tonight. We've got Eastern Conference final game one getting underway the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, looking to make it keep their uh, their drive for three straight Stanley Cups alive uh, against the New York Rangers. We've got Tampa Bay minus one thirty uh, road favorites here in Game One. Of course, taking place at Madison Square Garden. You know, a refresher for everybody that the uh, New York Rangers. Uh, had more points this regular season than the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that is why they have home ice here uh, in this series. So Tampa Bay minus 130 uh, road favorites, five and a half the total uh, in this game. I know a lot of people like the under, and I don't disagree that this is going to be a low-scoring series for the most part, for the most part. But I think we're getting something different tonight here in game one. I think we're going to get over the total. And that's what I like. I said it yesterday. Uh, over five and a half here for me. I think this is, I'm not going to be actively looking to bet a ton of overs in this series. I do think you are talking about two teams that defensively, they have been better, uh, you know, especially the last round, the Rangers, uh, Tampa Bay, of course, against Florida. Uh, the goaltending matchup, it goes without saying, you've got number one and number two active goaltenders still standing uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, that right now have the top two goals saved above average numbers. Igor Shosturkin's actually number one. Igor Shosturkin's ahead of Andre Vasilevsky in that statistic. Uh, and uh, Vasilevsky, of course, too, right behind him. So uh, this is just a fascinating game one because you've got the, the biggest situational debate going into game one tonight is the rest versus rust for the Tampa Bay Lightning going into game one tonight. They've been off for nine days. Is the, the re I have no doubt in my mind the rest is beneficial for Tampa Bay. Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough play a shit ton of minutes every night on the blue line. They needed some rest. Eric Chernak was definitely playing through an injury uh, in the second round against Florida on that Tampa Bay blue line. He needed some rest as well. Uh, you could look at the forwards. They're, I'm sure, dealing with some bumps and bruises. Corey Perry's been hit around a lot because that's, you know, People want to get him off his game because he agitates them. You know, Braden Point, of course, missed the entire Florida series. They wanted the nine days off for him to heal up, and it looks like he's not even going to be ready to return tonight uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in game one. So, you know, it's definitely they the nine days were a welcome sight, you know, for the Tampa Bay Lightning to get those nine days off. But is it too much rest? And now does it create rust? Does it create you? Maybe not playing as well because look, this Tampa Bay team was rolling, you know, from really the game six overtime win against Toronto in the first round, then the game seven win, and then the four game sweep uh, over the Florida Panthers. You know, this team was really rolling along, and it's almost, you know, you're playing so well, you don't want to stop. You don't want to have this, you know, lengthy hiatus. Does it bump the momentum? Does it kill the momentum? Does it kill the rhythm being off nine days, or is the rest? going to outweigh the the potential rust and the potential throwing out the throwing the lightning out of their rhythm and momentum and is the rest going to be mean that hey they're going to be just even stronger you know they'll be skating like the wind tonight 
uh, with the, those nine days off to rest up. So that's the debate on the Tampa side. The situational debate on the New York Rangers side, you're coming off seven games of emotion, intensity, you know, a roller coaster ride it was against Carolina. And that's on top of erasing a 3 1 series deficit in the first round against Pittsburgh. And then you erased a 3 2 series deficit here against Carolina. Are you riding? Are you just spent? Are you kind of like worn down and you're just maybe hitting a bit of a wall as you're about to begin this series against Tampa Bay? Or are you just right, running on fumes and adrenaline and significant momentum from that? you know, the Pittsburgh series from the Carolina series, and you're ready to ride that momentum wave right into game one tonight and get a big win. You know, I really think it can go both ways on that uh, in terms of the Rangers. I think it could be after seven with Carolina turning around 48 hours later, just, you know, one day off and having to start here against Tampa Bay, or do you just ride the, or are you running on fumes or you riding the adrenaline wave and the momentum wave? That is going to be the question. Yes, exactly, MDR. Do they have a fifth gear, the New York Rangers? They've been through a shit ton. <coughs> Excuse me, already uh, here in the playoffs. As I take a little drink of water. Just one sec. Yeah, they've been through a shit ton uh, here in these playoffs, the New York Rangers. You know, coming back to beat Pittsburgh when they were down 3-1. Coming back from being down 3-2 against Carolina. They got to find another gear again, and they've got 48 hours to find it coming off game seven against Carolina. So that's that's why this is such a fascinating game. Because people say, oh, Tampa Bay's got the edge, they got the rest. And then there's people who say, oh, no, no, Tampa Bay, the momentum's disrupted, the rhythm's disrupted. Nine days off is too many days. It's going to create rust, it's going to create issues for them playing their best. And then people on the other side with the Rangers are saying, Oh, you know what? Brutal turnaround. Seven games with Carolina. They got to come back 48 hours later, uh, and they've got to try to win this game and a brand new series against a much better opponent. And then there's people that say, ah, never mind that. This team's playing their best hockey right now. Look at the way they finished that Carolina series. I don't care that they got to play the very next, you know, one day after they end that series. Uh, they're ready to go. They, they've got the momentum. They don't want to stop playing. Right now, the New York Rangers, they want to roll into the next series and keep this momentum going because they're playing some good hockey right now. And the Rangers are. And Gerard Gallant said it yesterday. He said, I don't mind that we're we, we don't we, that they have nine days off and we're just playing, you know, uh, two days or a day in between after uh, ending the series against Carolina. We're playing good hockey. We don't want to stop right now. So, you know, that's why it's it's a great debate. Someone's going to be proven right. Someone's going to be proven wrong on both sides. Someone's going to be proven right and proven wrong on the Tampa Bay rest versus rust debate. People are, someone's going to be proven right or proven wrong tonight on the New York Rangers. Oh, they're mentally, physically spent after the seven games against Pittsburgh and Carolina going into game one tonight, or they're going to, someone's going to be proven right. If they win tonight that, Oh, you know what? They're riding the momentum. They're playing their best hockey of the playoffs. Igor Shesterkin's locked in right now, playing at a high level and they're going to overcome it. You know, that is exactly, so that's the debate for me. It's exactly why after all of that, you, everyone's going to be pissed off at me for saying this after all of that, for, in terms of a game one side, I'm not betting the game one side tonight, but what I have bet in this series is at the end of the day, for as much as the New York Rangers have, I think the Rangers are going to push Tampa Bay hard. I don't buy into this uh, argument that a lot of people have, that this is just Tampa Bay carving up the Rangers and rolling through them like a hot knife through butter. 
I don't think that's happening. When you've got a Chris Kreider and a Mika Zibanejad playing like they are right now, when you've got Adam Fox on the blue line and a power play that is absolutely uh, on fire at the moment, and not just uh, sizzling right now, they took apart, took apart a team that had the number one penalty kill all year in the NHL in the latter few games of that series with that power play. Took it apart. Just absolutely punished it. Based on the numbers, Tampa Bay's penalty kill isn't as good as Carolina's. So if the Rangers are on the power play, and that's why I think it is going to be important, and John Cooper's no moron. He's a phenomenal coach. We know that. He's going to tell his players, stay out of the box. You know, the New York Rangers have something going with their power play right now, uh, and that's going to be very important for uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, here uh, going into this series don't lose your discipline like Carolina did and it was bound to happen for Carolina all year they've taken way too many penalties but all year the penalty kill bailed them out not it didn't happen against the Rangers uh, in the second round finally that penalty kill faltered and when you're taking you know five six seven eight penalties a game you're eventually going to pay the price when the penalty kill does falter and that's exactly what happened uh, with the uh, Hurricanes uh, in that series so if you're Tampa, stay out of the box. But I'm telling you what, this Rangers power play, special teams at this time of year is so important to success. And it is a great, great uh, situation as a Ranger fan, if, if, if you're a fan of that team, to be seeing your power play come alive at the time when it's needed the most. So uh, very, very interesting dynamic there in terms of the special teams. Uh, someone in the rich making uh, Barclay Goudreau. I mean, Gerard Gallant saying he's thrilled to have him back really both ends of the ice. And I actually think Barclay Goudreau is going to make an impact offensively for the Rangers in this series. He'll be chomping at the bit. You know, he played for the Tampa Bay lightning. He probably would love nothing more, but to beat them now. And I know he's only going to get fourth line duty uh, with uh, Tyler Mott and Ryan Reeves uh, for the New York Rangers. But definitely, I think you're going to see uh, him try to make an offensive impact. And we know he's a great two-way forward. We know he's a great player away from the puck. He's a great penalty killer. He's a physical player. He's going to do the grunt work for you uh, that you need at playoff time. You need players like a Barclay Goodrow to be able to give you that those hard minutes, those tough minutes that make it tough on you in the neutral zone. That'll take away your time and space. He's very good at that defensively away from the puck. And I think that just his presence back on the ice is definitely going to be something that the New York Rangers needed uh, for this Tampa Bay Lightning series. Look, they played the majority of the Carolina series without Barclay Goudreau, and it's not a, totally a shock to me that we see Barclay Goudreau come back You know, down the stretch of that Carolina series. He came back uh, in uh, Game 6. They won that game. They were terrific, 5-2. And then he came back against, uh, and then, of course, Game 7, they won 6-2. You know, so basically two games with Barclay Goudreau back uh, on the ice for the New York Rangers. They outscored Carolina 11-4 to uh, in the last two games of that series. So uh, don't underestimate his impact. Uh, even though you look at him, fourth-line player, uh, people, people that uh, don't, you know, you don't always just look at line combinations. You don't always look at raw numbers to evaluate someone's impact and importance and value on their on the hockey team. He is a valuable member. Uh, of this New York Rangers hockey team. Uh, there's absolutely no question about that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how this series progresses. Of course, Tampa Bay, look, Svechnikov disappointed. Uh, Marty Natchez had a million chances in that series against the Rangers, couldn't bury them. You got to think that the likes of Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos 
uh, and Anthony Sorelli and Andre Palat, Alex Kalorn, uh, you know, Corey Perry was on fire in that Florida series, Ross Colton. You know, there's going to be maybe more of an opportunity to have better surgical clinical finishing ability around the net because I thought Carolina's ability to finish some of their chances, with all due respect to Shesterkin, who was phenomenal, I thought their ability to finish a lot of those chances wasn't, uh, or their, you know, their finishing off those chances was an issue for Carolina. They didn't do as good of a job with that, you know, as I thought they could have. Whereas you give Tampa Bay some of these chances and and there's a, a decent shot that, you know, a stamp goes is going to be able to finish a loose puck chance in front of the net or Palat or Kalorn or Kucherov or go on down the list on this Bolts team. So that's going to be something to watch out for. Uh, in game one, I'm not involved in the side uh, in game one, but I am on the over here, five and a half. Uh, again, I know there's a lot of people liking the under and I do think game by game as this series goes it'll be a low scoring series the goaltending on both sides is just too strong but i think for tonight you're looking at both teams a little bit sloppy uh, again the rangers or the lightning rather haven't been in a game situation in nine days uh, and i believe if you look at their over under numbers in games when there's extended rest uh not not, not overwhelming but five and four five overs four unders uh for the uh Tampa Bay Lightning in that situation. I just think this is going to be a little bit more of an open game tonight than people think. Then it'll tighten up, I believe, uh, in game two uh, and beyond. So uh, I like over five and a half here. You can actually get it up even money, plus 100 uh, is what is out there right now with the uh, over uh, in this game because the money's come in a little bit on the under. They see the goaltending matchup, which has a lot of people attracted to the under right away. Uh, here in game one, but I'm going to go with over five and a half here and plus a hundred here in game one. And it is worth noting another thing I factored in with this total for as much as, you know, uh, uh, actually in terms of the side, because I do want to mention I'm on the over tonight, but in terms of the series, what I bet was Tampa Bay uh, to win game one tonight and the series. That's the approach for me just like I did with Colorado. And yeah, actually, I used it as my best bet uh, on the show yesterday. Colorado to win game one and Colorado to win the series and bo- at uh, minus 120. Uh, that's exactly the way I approached it here in this series. I think the Rangers are going to push it to six or seven. I really do. I think they're good enough and Shesterkin is good enough to really test this Lightning team and make this difficult. This isn't going to be Florida in my opinion, for Tampa Bay. This is going to be more like Toronto in the first round. They're going to have to grind. They're going to have to work. They're going to have to sweat. They're going to have to struggle. And they're going to have to just, you know, absolutely impose their will and push their way toward winning this series. I don't think it's going to be easy uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning here. So I'm on this series to go seven, which is plus 215, I believe. Yeah, plus 215 uh, this series to go seven games. Lightning and Rangers. It's the same bet I took with Edmonton, Colorado. I actually like both series to go seven, to go the distance. And of course, if one of them goes seven, it's profit. So that's basically the approach I made here uh, with uh, this series to go seven, just like Edmonton, Colorado. And I'm also taking Tampa Bay to win game one and the series. FanDuel has it at plus 126. That is where I bet that. That's game one series combo bet. Tampa Bay to win game one, Tampa Bay to win the series. Uh, at plus 126. I think Tampa Bay will find a way. Uh, it, and at the end of the day, my decision, even though I think the Rangers are going to push the Lightning really hard, the end of the day, it's hard. With Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, by the way, has clearly, 
they flipped that switch. Like you could argue in April, it didn't look like they were all that enthused about playing in another long playoff run and winning a cup. But John Cooper, you know, has gone to the uh, well with the speeches, I think, and said, you know, and it, we, we already saw bits of it that's been shown on television uh, and on social media that John Cooper has said to his team, you really want to be remembered for the rest of your lives uh, as members of this team. You got to win three in a row. That's when you're remembered. That's when we're starting to talk dynasty. You're not a dynasty after winning back to back. You want to start entering that dynasty conversation. You got to win three championships in a row. He's hammered that home to his team in these speeches and they've responded. Clearly the will is back. The, the the hunger, the fire in the belly. Remember, sometimes we see that little fat and happy, you know, kind of um, feeling enter a team when they've won multiple championships in a row. And they're not quite as willing to put in the work. They're not quite as excited. They're not quite as passionate uh, about winning another championship when they've already got two cups in the coffer, you know, like the Tampa Bay Lightning do. But all of a sudden, Cooper's going to those mental gymnastics, if you will, and going to the well with these speeches. You want to be remembered? You got to win three. You got to win three in a row. And really, ever since he said that, I think he said that at the end of the Toronto series. Look at how they played. You know, they've been absolutely terrific. And I think that kind of will is tough to beat when you know when you're when you know how to win these games at playoff time, when you've got an Andre Vasilevsky uh, in net. And I think to me, that's the difference here. It's going to be Tampa Bay's just got a little bit too much all round, especially the blue line, the experience back there and arrested blue line now going into this series that I think in six or hopefully seven, because I bet that prop, they will pull this series out. So lightning to win game one and the series plus 126. And I just couldn't get over the fact too, that for the Rangers, for as much as I think they're going to be a tough out, here are the goalies they played here in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. And you know it. Casey DeSmith, Louis Domingue, Tristan Jari for one game. That was in the Pittsburgh series. Antti Ranta and Pyotr Kochetkov. Those are the five goaltenders that the New York Rangers have faced here in the first two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You go from those five to Andre Vasilevsky. That's a steep, steep step up in class from a goal from an opposing goaltending standpoint. Uh, no question about that. And that's another factor that pushed me in the direction of Tampa Bay. And look, I, I I'd love to see the Rangers do it. Because And that's another reason I like Tampa Bay, and I'm betting Tampa Bay. I'm in a position here where I've got Rangers to win the East at 10-1, to 1, Rangers to win the Stanley Cup 20-1. to 1, And I'm in a position now where I, I – and I think the Rangers are going to have just obviously a battle on their hands here against the Lightning that it's kind of a mini hedge, so to speak, uh, taking this Tampa Bay uh, game one and uh, series combination, uh, knowing the Rangers' futures are pending. And same thing with Colorado to win game one in the series against Edmonton, because I have Edmonton to win the West and the Cup that I sent out to uh, subscribers and clients of mine before the season that I bet before the season started way back in October. So it's kind of, you know, kind of hedging those uh, potential futures caches with taking Tampa, with taking Colorado uh, here uh, in this round. All right, let's get to props, um, because I know some people are asking, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably stick with you know some of the same players that I've I, I look at Perry, I look at Colton, you know, I look at uh, Nick Paul, especially with the Rangers having last line change, you know, that they're going to maybe be able to do a better job neutralizing Stamkos, Kucherov, Palat, uh, those kind of players because they're going to have last line change. I think if you're going to look at value from the Tampa Bay standpoint with uh, props, it's Nick Paul, it's Ross Colton, it's Corey Perry, you know what Corey Perry was phenomenal. 
uh, in the last round. What did he have? Three goals in the last four games, four points uh, in the last four game in the four games in that Florida series. Uh, and he is going to be that kind of player that look rebounds and second and third chances are going to be the kind of shots that beat Igor Shosturkin. He is a great initial shot puck stopper. We know that. When it's the initial shot, he is great at stopping that. Uh, no question about that. So you want to look for players, I think, for Tampa Bay. that They've got that little, we're going to go to the tough areas of the ice to score goals mindset. And who better does that than Corey Perry for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Who's going to get in there, get, get the nose dirty, you know, battle in the crease area, get to the blue paint, try to make life miserable and uncomfortable. You know, you know, I, I like an over-under how many times Corey Perry bumps Shesterkin or like, you know, comes within a, a whisker uh, of either bumping him or hitting him or, you know, nudging him a little bit in this series. I would bet it over. You know, if they said it like four and a half number of times Corey Perry gets in uh, Igor Shesterkin's grill uh, in this series, I'll take that over all day, any day. Because that's the way he's going to play. That's the style he plays, you know, at playoff time. So he's the he's the prototype of a player that's going to have more success, I think, finding the back of the net and, and more offensive success than maybe some other players. Uh, there's no question about that. So uh, Corey Perry stands out like a sore thumb for Tampa Bay. But like I said, Ross Paul, Nick, uh, Ross Colton, Nick Paul. Uh, like I said, I don't mind Stamkos and Kucherov, the big guns, but. Uh, I'm looking for more value with props. Uh, you know, I always say that. I'm looking for the guys that aren't highly priced uh, every game. As far as the Rangers go, I mean, when you look at Kreider and Zibanejad on home ice, uh, they've been absolutely terrific uh, for this team. Don't sleep on uh, Lafreniere, Philip Hedel, Capo Caco, the kid line. Uh, someone mentioned in the chat how good they have been. There's no question about that. Uh, he has been. Uh, they they have been very good. Uh, for the uh, New York Rangers, no question. I'm looking at Ryan Strom. He's someone to consider, too, because here's Ryan Strom on home ice in these playoffs. Go back to the Pittsburgh series. Game one against Pittsburgh, he had a, a, a one point. Game two against Pittsburgh, he had a goal and, and for his only point in that game. Game five against Pittsburgh at home, one point, one assist, one assist, one point. Game seven against Pittsburgh at home, one assist, one point. Uh, Carolina game three at home. He was held off the score sheet there. I think that's the only game he hasn't scored a point on home ice in these playoffs. Game four at home against Carolina, one point, which was an assist. Game six at home against Carolina, one point, an assist. Ryan Strome point definitely is something I think I like here uh, in this. And you could even sprinkle on the goal score prop, but especially him to score a point. Because other than one game in these playoffs at Madison Square Garden, and I believe that was game three, uh, against Carolina. Other than that one game, Ryan Strom has collected a point in every home game uh, here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that is definitely something that piques my interest here. Ryan Strom point is, and it's only plus 102 uh, or e around even money uh, for Ryan Strom to score a point tonight uh, for the New York Rangers. So uh, definitely uh, that is something that interests me uh, as far as props go uh, tonight. Uh, and I'm also uh, goes without saying how good, uh, obviously on home ice, Kreider, Zabanajad have been. Uh, there's no question. Uh, Zabanajad in particular. Uh, you look at what he's doing right now for the uh, New York Rangers. It's uh, it's automatic, I think, to maybe look at him for goal scorer prop and for points, uh, especially with the power play heating up. And if you want to go further, like I'll just throw this out there: Mika Zabanajad to get a point is minus one fifty four or in the minus 150 range to score a point tonight. 
uh, Mika's advantage at. And I like him to score a goal as well. I mean, his goal score prop is around plus 210 tonight. Uh, I think that's a that's a great value. Plus 210. And look, they've, they've softened the number. They've softened the price on some of these New York Rangers player props tonight because they're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you're actually getting better value, better prices, better odds on some of these Rangers player props. Like Mika's advantage at it, some books, is plus 210, plus 220 to score a goal tonight. We're talking about Mika Zibanejad, who has scored four goals in the last five games for the New York Rangers. You can get plus 210 on him to score a goal in that range. He's had at least two shots on goal uh, in, wow, I, a bunch of games in a row. I mean, I think he's a double-digit streak of him having at least two shots on goal uh, for the Rangers. And if you want to go one step further, you actually look at Zibanejad's goal production four goals the last five games, and you go back to the Pittsburgh series in the first round, here's a stat. And this is why maybe you go one step further with Sabanajad props tonight. You look at the goals, two, three, four, five, six, seven goals for Zabanajad here in the playoffs. All but one of them, if I'm not mistaken, all but one of them uh, have been on the power play. All but one of them have been on the power play. So, you know, one, two, three, actually the three, Three power plays. So how many how many goals does he have overall? Let me make sure I get this right. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four. All right, four of the seven. Four of the seven goals have been on the power play for Mika's advantage. He scored seven Stanley Cup playoff goals. Four of them have been with the man advantage uh, on the power play. So that's more than half of his goals coming on the power play uh, here in these playoffs. So you could actually go one step further here and go with Mika's advantage at power play points at almost plus 200. Almost plus 200 for Mika's advantage ad to record a power play point. I mean, how do you not? How do you not take that? How do you not bet that? How do you not bet that? Plus 200 almost is what we're looking at with his power play point prop tonight. Four of his seven goals have been on the power play. Three of the four goals... Uh, that he scored at the end of that Carolina series, uh, I believe. Let me just, uh, yeah, three of the four goals uh, were on the power play uh, for Mika Zibanejad uh, at the end of that Carolina series. Uh, that's 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 hard to pass that one up, and that one definitely stuck out to me. So uh, there's some props. Th those are the two I really like most. I mean, I could go well on and on. I think Andrew Kopp's always worth a look. Lafreniere, too. Heedle. Uh, Heedle, you could is, is definitely someone that's gotten it really going for the uh, Rangers, the third line center on that kid line. He's got three goals and three points in the last two games. If you want to ride the hot hand, you can do that. Uh, Philip Heedle going into the game tonight. Uh, it's it's unfortunate they don't have points listed uh, for uh, Philip Heedle, uh, but they do have him obviously in terms of the uh, player props, and you're looking at plus four fifty, plus five hundred him to score a goal. Think about that. Plus 450, plus 500. Philip Heedle to score a goal. The guy's got three goals in the last, uh, had three goals in the last two games of that series against Carolina. So again, we're looking, I'm looking for value here uh, with the props tonight. And I think this is not a bad game. Now, maybe the one concern is we've got Vasilevsky and Shesterkin, two elite goalies standing on their head. We don't see many goals. That is potential. I don't think we're going to see that tonight, personally. I think as the series goes, it'll be lower scoring. But I think tonight, there's a chance for some more goals. Yeah, Fox assists. I'll never say Rich H. That's a bad bet. 
Uh, Hedo Point, as occupancy says, is a plus price at most books. I wouldn't mind that, but I'd go for the goal scorer prop because, look, all the points he's had, the three points he's had in the last two games of the series against Carolina were goals. Three three goals, three points, you know, is what Philip Heedle had in game six and game seven against Carolina. So that's why I think the goal score props just a phenomenal value. Uh, plus 450, plus 500 on that. So that's my thoughts on the props. I'm, I'm going to be dabbling in a bunch of different ones, but those are a, a lot of the ones that I'm going to be uh, interested in here tonight uh, for a game one Eastern Conference final lightning and rangers all right there we go uh we'll wrap up the show in just a second best bets uh best bet coming up for me uh in just a second but first we'll remind you about DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl uh new customers uh can bet just one dollar on any nhl team get 150 dollars in free bets if they win if DraftKings sportsbook isn't available in your state you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code uh, THPN. I'm, I'm not betting the uh, any of the goalie saves props tonight. Uh, I thought Shesterkin in Game 7 uh, was an outstanding bet over saves because I knew he'd get peppered. Win or lose, Carolina was going to get their shots on goal. They did. I went to the well with Mike Smith, and Mike Smith was on pace to go over his saves prop, way over, and then he got pulled. So that's the issue. So this is a game where, in terms of the game flow, it's a little bit more tricky to read because you're talking about a game one of a brand-new series. You've got Tampa off, nine days layoff, and New York nine-day layoff, and New York Rangers coming off a seven-gamer against Carolina on a short turnaround. So I think as the series goes along, there's going to be some good opportunities to bet these goalie saves props. But tonight, I don't see a great opportunity. I want to see how it plays out, uh, you know, with just, you know, the kind of unsteady nature of a game one with one team coming off nine days off and the other team coming off a very, very short and quick 48-hour turnaround off a seven-gamer. So I'll be looking at saves props later on. I'm going to give you two best bets here uh, for tonight. Uh, New York Rangers, Tampa Bay, over five and a half, plus 100. I'm going to go with that. Uh, for a, one of the best bets. And I'm going to go with Ryan Strom to, to get a point. It's even money, even money. And this guy has gotten at least one point in the playoffs, every home playoff game at Madison Square Garden this season, except one game. He's gotten a point in all but one home playoff game uh, for the New York Rangers. So I'm going to give you two best bets. Rangers Lightning, or, or Lightning Rangers over five and a half plus 100. And we'll go Ryan Strom, New York Rangers to collect a point, to register a point at around even money, plus 100, plus 105 is what you can get with that uh, 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 special mention that I should say as well to uh, some of the other props I mentioned. Philip Heedle, goal scorer prop, put a couple bucks on that just for value with what he's done. Uh, Nick Corey Perry for Tampa Bay, Nick Paul, Ross Colton for Tampa Bay, uh, you know, Zabanajad to get a goal plus 210 and a power play point 
at almost plus 200 for Zibanejad. Three of the last four goals he scored have been on the power play. So there's a lot of decent props out there, in my opinion, for this game tonight. All right, that'll wrap it up. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Carl Alsner, longtime NHL defenseman, Washington Capitals, Montreal Canadiens will be joining us uh, on the show, and we'll break down game two of the uh, Western Conference Final. Edmonton, Colorado, and we'll look back at game one with Tampa Bay and the New York Rangers as well. So join us for that. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy game one of the Eastern Conference Final. And we will be back tomorrow on Thursday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.